On this episode of the podcast, we are stepping virtually into four of Dublin's most historic buildings. much for joining me again here on the Traveling in Ireland podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Temple Bar Tradfest, Ireland's largest festival of music in some of Dublin's most historic places. You can get more information on uh, Temple Bar Tradfest at tradfest.ie. And just a side note that is coming up in January. So if you are considering attending now is the perfect time to buy those tickets for your uh, flight and reserve your hotel rooms. Now, the thing that really interests me about Temple Bar Tradfest is that even though I love Irish music, it was the locations of the concerts that caught my attention. So they have more than 50 concerts over five days, and they take place in in venues like barracks and banks, cathedrals and castles, government buildings and pubs. It's an eclectic mix of buildings and it's an eclectic mix of traditional and folk music. Today I will be sharing bits of tours from a few of these buildings from Tradfest's own podcast along with information on how to visit these sites during the day to get a different perspective. You can listen to all the Tradfest podcasts from tours to interviews with performers at tradfest.podbean.com or search Temple Bar Tradfest on your own podcast host. Now, for more information about Temple Bar and a little background on Tradfest, don't forget that you can visit the previous Traveling in Ireland podcast, episode number 60. And as always, there will be links for more information in the show notes. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to share Dublin travel tips that you can put into use no matter when you visit. Are you ready? Let's start exploring Dublin. Hello and welcome to the Temple Bar Tradfest Tradcast, a series of interviews with some well-known and emerging performers and audio tours in some of Dublin's most iconic and historic venues, from a castle to a crypt. Louis Parmenter describes St. Patrick's Cathedral. So you're very welcome to St. Patrick's Cathedral. We're standing on one of the earliest Christian sites in Ireland. It's thought that there's been a church on the site since around 450 AD, so shortly after the time that Patrick is said to have baptised people on this site using water from the river Poddle which flowed underneath the cathedral. The building we're standing in now was built between 1220 and 1259 and was restored in the 1860s thanks to the generosity of Sir Benjamin Lee Guinness of the famous Guinness family. The cathedral now is still very much a living breathing place of worship but it's also one of Dublin's busiest tourist attractions and is a venue for many different events, graduation ceremonies, concerts, receptions, etc. So it's, it's a very busy living cathedral. 
Now, will you describe the inside of a tunnel? If people come in off the street, what can they expect to see here? Sure. Well, it's the largest church in Ireland. It's uh, built in the Anglo-Gothic style, so with the large pointed arches, uh, beautiful stained glass windows. The, the west window we're standing at now depicts 39 scenes in the life of St. Patrick, and that was installed in 1865 at the end of the Guinness Restoration. Again, the window was a gift of Benjamin Lee Guinness. Beautiful tiles uh, were laid in the 1880s by Lord Ardalon, who was a son of Benjamin Lee Guinness. And they were based on some medieval tiles, which we have laid in the baptistry, just as you enter the cathedral. St. Patrick's Cathedral is a stunning building. And if you can make time to visit it while you're in Dublin, I highly recommend it. You'll find within the church that many people have been commemorated. And a few highlights include Celtic grave slabs, St. Patrick's Well, and the Ladies' Chapel. St. Patrick's Cathedral is easily reached on foot or by public transportation from the city center. And guided tours are offered throughout the day. Admission tickets can be booked online. And St. Patrick's Cathedral admission is also included in the Dublin Pass if you are purchasing that for your time in Dublin. You'll find more information on the St. Patrick's Cathedral website. Peter Condell shows us around St. Michael's Church and takes us to the sleeping population beneath. Originally the church was from 1095, uh, but it was rebuilt in 1686, probably because of the expansion of the city, and, and also after 600 years it was probably crumbling a bit and what have you. So yeah, rebuilt in, in 1686, although the interior has been modified a couple of times. the church was rebuilt 300 years ago but the crypt is original 900 years old and the mummies are in there this conservation is natural in the crypt the temperature is constant winter and summer secondly it's very dry limestone absorbs humidity and the land down underneath releases methane gas into the atmosphere. The three things together, temperature, dryness, and gas, voila. To give you a little example, the coffin in against the right-hand wall is about 150, maybe 200 years old. So you can see the preservative quality. And the three figures across the front are about 400 years old. Again, the one to the right is female, but she's the most damaged, so she's anonymous. In the middle, male, he has no feet, and also no right hand. It sounds crazy, but I think the feet are simply, he's too tall. The hand is a bit of a problem. 
and it seems to be punishment, but that would make him strange to be buried under the church. One possibility is that he reforms, maybe becomes a priest, or it's not punishment. Diseased, battle-wound, accident? The third one, to the left, is again female, and she was said to have been a nun who lived to be over a hundred years old. It's worth looking again at her hands and feet. Very delicate fingers, fingernails, and if you pop your head over the gate, you see her toes and toenails virtually intact. The fourth one, in at the back, 800 years old, the Crusader. And one of the traditions of the Crusades is being buried with your feet crossed to indicate the crucifix. In his case, he's crossed at the thigh bones, the lower legs broken, pushed underneath. Again, he's too tall. Six foot six. It's tall today. 800 years ago, gigantic. But you do see evidence of his height if you look again at his hand. Not the first finger, which is broken. Try and get a look at the middle finger. It's incredibly long. Now, in this sort of time frame, being buried under the church was considered a great honour. And originally, only people associated with the church could be buried, priests and nuns. The man in the middle is a bit strange, but maybe the reformed criminal is correct. In more recent centuries, money. If the coffin to the right is 150 years old, 400 in the middle, to the left is somewhere between the two. Different style, different shape, different materials. So pick a number between 150 and 400. And at that stage, you were beginning to talk money. St. Mikan's is just fascinating, isn't it? So if you want to visit, the thing you need to remember is that it is still a working church and visits are by guided tour only. The schedule is available online. I do have it in the show notes, but you need to remember that it may vary if the church has an event. So it gives you a good idea of how to plan your day, but the church does recommend that you call or email prior to your visit to make sure that tours will be available while you are there. The House of Lords. Our guide is John McGrath. Well, good morning, and we're just entering into the House of Lords here, where we've had um, somewhere in the order of about 90 events in any given year. Some of those have been very successful Tradfest events, which we've been very happy to hold. Um, There's a couple of things in the room that we'd like to bring to your attention. First of all, the room is dominated by the two tapestries, which you can see on the left and right. The one on the right-hand side being the Siege of Londonderry, obviously in 1689, and then the uh, Battle of the Boyne, uh, the tapestry on the left, from 1690. These are the finest quality tapestries that you can find, with 26 knots to the L, which is about an inch in size, which puts them in the same category as Gobelin tapestries. They're priceless, of course, and they're the bank's greatest treasure. They're, of course, available to be seen here in the House of Lords during normal bank opening hours um, and whenever there isn't an event going on in the chamber. 
The central chandelier is to a Venetian style, not Waterford or Baccarat or anything that you might think of, but actually from a lesser-known manufacturer called Chebsneys in Ballybock in County Dublin. Built in 1738, I believe, um, 1,233 lustres making up the entire chandelier. Originally part of a pair made, we believe, for Dublin Castle. We're not quite sure what happened to the second one, but uh, it seems to have vanished somewhere in uh, in transportation. This chandelier has been here uh, ever since, with a brief period where it was dispatched when we brought electricity into the building at the first uh, the first available opportunity. But we've subsequently reconverted it for electric light and has brought it back into the building. The clock that you can see to the rear of the room was a gift of the House of Lords in London to the House of Lords in Ireland in about 1740 and has been here ever since with a very attractive what's called a Whittington chime uh, which is particularly enjoyable for people to hear uh, for at least one hour. After that it becomes extremely annoying. The chamber is broken into those three sections, the niche for the sovereign, the central uh, largest section for the the peers, the 182 um, barons, viscounts, earls, marquises and dukes uh, who would have sat here, and of course the the established clergy of the established church, uh, and then the House of Commons in what's called the bar of the House of Commons at the end of the room, the smaller square portion, where they would have been brought to listen to the speech from the throne during the state opening of Parliament. Um, The chamber itself is lined in Irish oak, and of course the plasterwork um, throughout the the room reflects the three separate and distinct parts of government. The former Irish Houses of Parliament now are the Bank of Ireland, so you can access the building any time during business hours. Now, the House of Lords Chamber may not be available if there is a private function being hosted, and guided tours are available on Tuesdays only at 10.30 a.m. You will find the former House of Parliament, now the Bank of Ireland, just across the street from Trinity College. Well, you're very welcome, Karen, to Rathfarnham Castle. Um, Rathfarnham Castle is one of the most historic buildings in Dublin um, and probably not as well known as it should be. Um, it dates back to 1583. It was built for Adam Loftus, who was the Lord Chancellor of Ireland, and he was also the Archbishop of Dublin. A very, very powerful man. He was sent as an envoy by Queen Elizabeth I of England to spread the new faith of Protestantism. Now, he would have had his own palace in Tala, but he didn't feel entirely safe there, so he decided that he needed a proper defensible home for himself and his family. Uh, He had a very, very large family. He had 20 children, and uh, he was also a very, very wealthy man, so he wanted to protect his property. So when he was having his castle designed and built, um, he had it designed with defensible features. So although it was primarily his home for his uh, many goods and his many children, it was also a place uh, where he would want to feel protected. So it had towers, it had crenellations, and it had a whole series of musket loops, some of which you can see today. And in relation to Dublin City, we're in Rathfarnham. Where exactly is Rathfarnham in relation to 
the city centre. Well, Farnham uh, is just on the south side of the city. It's about 25 minutes from the city centre if you're driving out from town. Uh, but it's just on the edge, really, of the border with Wicklow. Um, and indeed, when Adam Loftus lived here, he was terribly afraid of the tribes of Wicklow, especially the O'Burns and the O'Tools. But it's very near the city centre, so we're not, it's not as, as wild as it used to be in, in, in past times. You can use public transportation to reach Rath Farnham Castle. You would utilize the Dublin bus service and you would look for bus number 16 from the city center, 17 from Blackrock and 75 from Dune Leary. Do be sure to check the Dublin bus schedules just to be sure that those are running and the times. Now, Rath Farnham Castle is managed by the Office of Public Works, also known as the OPW, and is open daily through the summer season and Wednesday through Sunday and Bank Holiday Mondays, October through April. I hope you enjoyed those sneak peeks into four of Tradfest's iconic venues. Now, Dublin has a lot to offer. There's no doubt that it's one of the most popular places to visit when people plan an Ireland vacation. So I do have a few travel tips for you when you visit Dublin. First and foremost, don't drive in Dublin, period. End of sentence, end of discussion. Do not drive in Dublin. Number one, Dublin is very walkable. You don't need a car to get around. From the furthest locations like Rathfarnham Castle, you'll find public transportation. You'll find buses, Lewis, which is the light rail, and trains. They're easy, they're affordable, and Dublin traffic is horrid to drive in. I've done it once in my 20 years of traveling to Ireland, and I never, ever, ever want to do it again. So again, don't drive in Dublin, period. Get your car as you leave town, okay? All right. Number two, go ahead and book popular attractions online. You'll save both time and money. Two of the main attractions that I can think of for this where it's most beneficial to you are Kilmainham Jail, which is incredibly popular. I mean, just crazy, crazy popular. And tours book up well in advance. Another spot is the Book of Kells. The queues at the Book of Kells and Old Library at Trinity College can easily stretch to two, three, maybe even close to four hours in the high season. So go ahead and book online. In some cases, you'll save money. You will always save time. Um, another spot that pops to mind as I come away from that is the Guinness Storehouse. I know you will save money by booking online there as well. Now, if you're visiting any OPW heritage sites across the country, consider purchasing the OPW Heritage Card. You purchase that at the first heritage site you visit and it covers every single site across Ireland for one year. Now, the Dublin sites includes uh, include Kilmainham Jail, Rathfarnham Castle, Dublin Castle, and a dozen other heritage attractions. Some are free, some have a fee, but if you will be visiting sites around the country, like um, the Rock of Cashel, Care Castle, Trim Castle, places like that, the OPW Heritage Card is always a good deal. You will find more information in the show notes about the Heritage Card. 
If you're spending a few days in Dublin, consider the Dublin Pass. You'll save both time and money. It covers, I want to say, over 30 attractions that are very popular in Dublin. Also includes uh, the 24 hours of hop-on, hop-off bus, um, transportation from the airport on Aircoach, and gosh, some of the sites are the Guinness Storehouse, Teeling's Distillery, uh, Little Museum of Dublin, Epic Immigration Museum, and like I said, 30 others. There's also special discounts that go with the Dublin Pass. And speaking of discounts, if you order the Dublin Pass using the code FAMILYVACATIONS, you will save 15% off a five-day pass and 5% off three-day passes. This deal is good until the 31st of September 2018. But the Dublin Pass, you can purchase it and use it up to a year later. It does not begin ticking off its time until your first use. And then finally, be prepared for Dublin's high prices. It is not an inexpensive destination in Ireland to visit. Dublin prices are higher than any place else in the country. It's a popular place. It's a small place and accommodations are limited. Now, due to recent legislation, which takes place in summer of 2019, Airbnb availability will be decreasing in Dublin City. So the, the option for utilizing Airbnb and saving some money is going to decrease quite a bit. So do your Dublin booking in advance. Make sure that you are you know, really understanding where you need to be and why. You might consider staying outside the city center and taking a train or bus into town. We especially love doing that when we stay in Scaries and Malahide. Both are really easy places to catch the train and hop into Dublin city center. So those are my Dublin travel tips. I hope that those come in handy and I hope that you enjoyed the kind of sneak peek into four of those amazing TradFest venues. Uh, please remember that if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to leave a five-star review at iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me, Jody at IrelandFamilyVacations.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, Slangafol.